Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hi, James. Hey, Scott. Back for another week. Back for another week. I've been waiting all week after that cliffhanger you left us with. It's last a episode. huge cliffhanger. Huge. Yeah. What's it about? Uh, we got another question. Okay. Well, that's not a cliffhanger. That's every week. Yeah, well, last last week we did a ma- kind of a mailbag episode, right? We ended with a a couple who kind of you know they they it, it's not it may not be the easiest road for them getting close to retirement, right? Um, and the question this time around is for a couple who's getting started ah. uh, on the front end. There we go. So it's almost like we can talk about the things we we'd love to see them do, or they might want to think about so that they have a lot of resiliency in their financial life now and in the future. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. I'm glad I waited for this episode. Me too. Yeah. Do you want to read the question? I will happily read the question. So uh, the question is from Stephen. Thank you for your question, Stephen. And just um, thank you everyone for your questions. Please send them in um, by you writing in a question. Not only do we get uh, to help that you, but we also get to help everyone else by, by, you know, they learn by hearing everyone else's questions. So send them on in, please. Send them in at, and that's by the way, realpersonalfinance.co. Like, yes. I want to ask a question. How do I ask a question? Um, you can either call Scott and he'll give you his personal cell phone <laughs> no. number after this episode, <laughs> no. or you can go to realpersonalfinance.co and write us in. Yes. Um, and I will, I, I will actually post James's personal cell number on Twitter as soon as we're done with this episode. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But uh, from Steven, hey guys, my girlfriend and I are in our mid twenties. She just finished school, has some student loan debt, um, but not an obscene amount and will make a teacher's salary. I'm starting grad school. We'll finish with some debt as well. Currently I'm working a minimum wage job to get through school. What can we do now with very little saved? Two more years of adding more debt and only a small amount of money coming in. We know little to nothing about finance and are just beginning to give slash care and pay attention to our money. Are there things uh, I can do to invest in small quantities of money to start early and get it growing now while I invest in my talent and career? Can I start saving for retirement when I'm bringing in so little money? And if so, should I put all my focus toward paying off our student debt instead, which is around 67% interest, or are there other things I can focus my money on while I'm young? Thanks for your advice. All right. A lot of good stuff to unpack there. Yeah. And just a reminder, we can't give direct advice to Steven because we don't know all of his details, but we can certainly talk through a lot of stuff that comes to mind. And there are a lot of things, stuffs that come to mind. Yes. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, the first thing I want to just say is a kudos to both of them for investing in themselves mm-hmm. because they are young and they chose to go get um, some education and, uh, you know, some higher education. Not that that's the type of education to get necessarily, but they're investing in themselves. And by doing that, they probably will make more um, for the rest of their lives than had they not. 
So I think a lot of people always come like they're almost like and they and I wouldn't say Stevens m- makes it sound this way, but sometimes people are like I have student debt. It's like they have to whisper it. It's like yeah, yeah, that's okay. Like mm-hmm. you know, hopefully you don't have an obscene amount. Doesn't sound like they do here, but mm-hmm. it just means you invested in yourself. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I I. I like that too, even the way he phrased that. I'm not sure if this is from listening to another episode where you'll often talk about time, money, energy, talent. Those are the things we can invest in. Yeah. And so often we just look at the money side. How do I invest my money? Well, one thing that you can do is invest in your talent, invest in your career so that you can make more money, which leads to more that can be invested. And especially if you do that earlier on in your career, as you get raises and progressively get higher and higher incomes, you're just starting at a higher threshold or you're making a big jump in that, which frees you up to do a lot more on the money side. Yep. Um, cool. So one of the, one of the very first episodes we did mm-hmm. was, is it better to pay off debt or is it better to invest? Talk about the money side. Yes. And there are no right or wrong answers. It's another, it depends thing. Cause there's the financial side and there's other sides, but how would we approach that? So they're investing themselves in themselves and their careers, which is great. What's the next thing you would look at? Is it the investment side or the debt pay down side? Or is there even something else you'd look at? Well, there's that? my answer, which will be the right answer, of course. And then there's your answer, which will be the wrong answer. Right. right. No, I remember that. You know, it's funny because we did that episode like, what, two years ago? And I can remember us sitting oh, yeah. here and having that conversation. Yeah, I think we recorded that two and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. Um, but no, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is- um up so much. We <laughs> Totally. Yeah. The Sorry. first thing that comes to mind for me is just, uh, even though they mentioned they have something saved, I would want to know like, what's it cost you guys to live a month of life? Yeah. And then how many months of life do we want to have just sitting on the sidelines to feel fully safe before we start worrying about doing anything else? Right. First things first, right? We can think of it as an emergency fund or an emergency plan, but it's basically like, how do we make sure you guys have enough so that if a family member has something tragic happening, you need to get home right away, you can do it and not run up credit card debt. Right. Well, and on, on top of that, We've talked about in other episodes specifically around things like life insurance. There's financial capital, which is the money that you can invest in 401ks or Roth IRAs or Mm -hmm. the debt pay down side. And then there's the human capital, which is your earnings potential over the course of your lifetime. And having money set aside in an emergency fund protects both the financial capital and the human capital. Yes. From the standpoint of if there's an emergency, you don't want to have to drop out of school to be able to do that. If a big expense comes up, you don't want that to derail your ability to um, continue doing what you're doing that will ultimately lead to a higher income. So having some reserves set aside is probably the most important piece that will allow you to keep doing what you're doing without being desperate for income or having to derail your plans because you have to pay a big expense now or you have to find more immediate income now. Yep. So that, that's my that. first things first. Yeah. First things you? first, have that. Yeah. Fully agree. Yeah. Um, we'll call it an emergency fund. Yeah. This is what it's typically called. Yeah. Emergency fund, emergency plan. One is just simply knowing how much it costs for you to live a month of life. Most people do not know this. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before. People will come in with a pile of money and go, am I okay? And the answer is like, I have no idea because I don't know how much money you spend. Mm-hmm. But the moment I know how much money you spend, I can quickly tell you whether or not you're okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and I think what ties into that is <clears throat> understanding how much is a month of life cost, but also just the skill set of learning to live within your means is probably one of the most important things. For sure. Of, yes. As you are looking at careers, whether it's a high salary or a low salary, it doesn't really matter if you can't live on less than you make. And if you yep. can't develop the habit, which 
is part financial, but is more just a behavioral thing, then no amount of money is ever going to get you to where you want to go if that the habits aren't there. So developing the habit at this point to learn to love on less than you make, learn the just to be okay with that, be content with that, knowing the income is going to grow over time and you can gradually expand what you're spending. But that piece, the behavioral side, is another crucial piece on the beginning that just grows with you and compounds with you over I, time. I would actually I fully agree with that. And I actually think that it's the um it's the concept of paying yourself first, which like it's funny because like with small business owners, one of the things we look at all the time with entrepreneurs is like getting them to think about their income as a portion of it as profits and paying themselves that money to use it to live on while they fuel their businesses so they don't get kind of tired mm-hmm. <laughs> and burnt out. Right. Uh, it's the same thing here. It's it's have a percentage that you're going to, every time you have income, it doesn't matter how much it is, you're going to have a minimum amount that you just set aside all the time. And if you always do that and you always have that percentage, if it's, I mean, we always say like, if you start at 10%, if you're, you know, for most people, if they can save 10%, 10, between 10 and 20% a year of all the income that you make every year, you'll probably never have to worry about being financially free. It will just happen mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. So I would find some percentage that works for you and your girlfriend and set that aside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fully agreed. So you have your emergency fund savings as first priority. You are developing the right habits. And, and those are kind of, I wouldn't say our priorities one and two, but kind of same time priorities. You're doing them both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh And I kind of think of it even more so like what you're just pointing at first is like, we're just going to save aside X all the time. Mm -hmm. And the first place we go fill it up is we go, do we have enough money in our emergency fund to be okay right now? Right. No, we don't. Okay, great. Well, that's where the savings goes. Right. And then the moment that's full, then you go, what do I do next? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, What I would do next is that's where you run the comparison of, do you pay down debt or do you invest? Now there are going to be different answers depending on who you ask. And you're going to have a different feeling depending on just the makeup of who you are. Now, I would say my perspective is if you mentioned you're working and it's maybe not a huge income, but there's there's an income coming in. If you have any type of a 401k program through your employer, and if it has any type of match, that's the first thing I would do. Where No, you maybe don't need the tax benefits of a 401k. If they have a Roth IRA, that would be more ideal. But if there's a match on that, then that's the first thing that I would do. Because if you look at paying off debt, you're getting what is essentially a guaranteed 6 to 7% interest rate because that's uh, the interest that you're paying the bank. So by paying that down, it's kind of like getting a guaranteed 6 to 7% interest. Mm -hmm. If you have a 401k with a match, any money you put in there is a guaranteed 100% rate of return, even before it's invested, just because you put money in and assuming your employer's matching dollar for dollar, that's a guaranteed return on your investment. So that's the first place that I would look. And then after that, my sense is I would probably focus on paying down debt, which is a guaranteed six to 7% outcome, as opposed to looking to investing to invest, which is a uncertain eight, nine, 10% per year growth rate over time, Mm -hmm. but definitely cannot be counted on in the short term. Yeah, I I'm, I'm, I totally hear where you're coming from there. The only thing that I would I would add two things. One, if you're trying to, if they're trying to answer the question right now for Stephen, and we're we're kind of trying to read between lines here because we don't know all the detail. Again, it's not advice because we don't know well enough for them to have give proper advice. But they should go get an advisor if they really need it. Um, but he mentioned his girlfriend um, has some student loan debt, but she's going to have a teacher's salary moving forward. So if she's going to be at a public school. 
she might want to look at public student loan forgiveness as an option for her. Um, and if that makes sense, and if her payments uh, make sense for her to do public student loan forgiveness, and she has excess above and beyond that, she might choose to go invest mm -hmm. that difference rather than go pay it down if the amount's going to be forgiven in the foreseeable future. Um, that's the only caveat I would add. Other than that, I'm fully on board with your plan. And invest so that whatever the tax liability is of that forgiven amount, there's cash to decide to pay it or just invest well, for long-term or both? Yeah. So that's actually a good question because sometimes it's forgotten. So there's two different, so public student loan forgiveness means that when the, de the debt's forgiven, you're actually not taxed on the amount when it's forgiven. Um, if it's truly under the PSLF system. So that'd be good. Um, there are, there's another way where like, let's say that you went to um, maybe NYU to become a teacher and you racked up 200 grand of debt. And now you just, you made not just teachers should get paid well to do the work that they do, but you didn't make enough to really pay that down. Um, and maybe you were at a for-profit institution instead. Now, when you have that forgiveness done, there's a tax bomb or a tax payment that has to happen. That shouldn't be necessary if she's a public school teacher. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on understanding the rules there and seeing if that's good for you. That might be something to look at. The other thing is if you're going to be at a, if she's at a public school system, more than likely she's going to be start paying into a pension right away. So understanding the ramifications of that. And then do you guys want to stave above and beyond that? Something yep. else to look at. Totally. Cool. Um, let's see here. Are there any other aspects of this that you would focus on here? Uh, no, I'm basically, I'm like, good for you for making money to, to try not to rack up larger amounts of debt while you're going to school. Striking that balance is really important. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I think the other, the only things that come, come to mind for me are that, you know, if they, you know, if it's a couple of years from now, girlfriend becomes wife and wife and and Stephen want to have maybe kids when you're younger is a, always a great time to think about term life insurance it kind of turns back to what you were talking about before of human capital the money we're going to earn in our lifetime versus financial capital right now they could very easily have negative net worth there's nothing wrong with that They're, you're investing in your own time and talent and your energy it's all good stuff um but you want to protect your future income. If you go get a, we're getting a graduate degree somewhere. I don't know what you're getting a graduate degree in, but if it makes for a higher paying job than what you would have now, you want to make sure you protect that when you come out of school. Yeah, totally. And then what I would add is when, when you look at charts, everyone loves showing those charts of here's how much money you would make if you started investing at 25 versus 35 versus 45 and 55. And most people say, well, like, why show me this now? Like, I can't go back to when I was 25 and get this type of growth to make these charts look really cool. Well, you're in the fortunate position, Stephen, that you are in that spot where you have a lot of time on your side, which means the compounding effect of growth on your can have huge implications. And oh, that's yeah. It's going to be carrying most of the growth that you're going to get over time. My last piece of advice on this. But otherwise, I think that creating the best habits at this point is the most important aspect. Agreed. I mean, the crazy thing is like, oh, the only thing I would add is if you're young, it sounds like you guys are young. sounds like you don't have a ton of income yet. So if you are going to go save outside of the emergency fund, I would kind of head, steer them towards a Roth IRA versus a regular IRA. What do you feel about that? I would for sure. Yeah. And the reason why is because we're in lower tax brackets now. We've done an episode on that in the past. You, of course, as as, as um, James was just alluding to, you could choose a you know, a, a, a target date fund for when you're going to supposed to retire in the future and it'll kind of set it and forget it for you. Keep it really simple. 
But I was actually just thinking about it and I was like, okay, if you got an 8% rate of return and for 40 years you put away how much to have a million dollars, it'd be about 3,800 bucks a year is what you'd have to do for 40 years to have a million bucks. So it's like, that's because that compounding thing's happening. Um, That's really not a lot of money in, right? That's only like, what? Not even a lot of money. How many years did you say? 380, 40 years. Yeah. So that's 152,000 invested to give you a million yeah. Right, ish. I, I did math quickly there, guys. Don't don't at me. Uh, but but like that's pretty good because we're young and we can go put money away. That'll put you in a really safe place. Yeah, yeah. Fully agree. Well, Stephen, thank you for your question. And for other listeners, please send your questions in. We love answering them. We love to get to explore just different options or break these down. If you are listening and you've enjoyed this, we'd appreciate it if you leave a review. We're getting good reviews and good feedback and more and more people are finding our show, which is really exciting. And we're getting a lot of great feedback from listeners about how impactful it is. So we would love for that impact to be uh, felt far and wide. Yes. More reviews. James's goal is for everyone in America to be financially literate. Yeah. That's that's when we're allowed to stop doing this podcast. I want to do that by the end of the year. (laughs) Please help us reach our goal. And uh, all the problems will be solved in the world, I think. No, but like end of the day, like we really do want to help more people. So if you've ever listened and this has been helpful to you, please leave a review because we want to help more people. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Anything else, Scott? No, have a great week. Yeah. Leave tons of reviews. Is all. That's all we got. That's all we got. Okay. That's all we got. Have a good week and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.